I'm Matthew Passy, the podcast consultant, and you're listening to Chasing Dreams with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in to episode 175 of Chasing Dreams. Before I get too far, guys, here is a word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon campaign supporters. Thanks to all of you for your support. Beginning January 2019, as a thank you, Patreon supporters will have exclusive initial access to a bonus video conversation with our guests. Even donating a dollar an episode goes a long way. For more information on our Patreon campaign, and or if you'd like to donate to help keep the show going, please visit amyj21.com slash Patreon. All right, guys, I am back with episode 175, and I just want you to let that sink in real quick. 175. I didn't think I'd get to episode 75, let alone 175. So thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to our Patreon supporters. You guys are awesome for your support. To all of you who share the episode, who talk about the show, who send me notes of encouragement and um, appreciation for what we're doing, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I am humbled by the reception this show gets. And, you know, you guys are awesome. Absolutely. And so to celebrate, I brought a friend of mine on, Matthew Passy. He is a podcast producer, consultant at thepodcastconsultant.com. He is helping individuals, brands, and small businesses develop, launch, produce, promote, and profit from their podcasts. He is also the host of the CosePods podcast. So, we had a lot of fun. It was a great time. And you guys can learn a lot about Matthew from his story and be inspired because he didn't see this coming. So check it out. Hey, Matt, how are you doing? I am doing great. How are you today? Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being available to come on. I am great. It's uh, a nice Tuesday night. It's cold down where I am. What about you? Yeah, it's it's pretty chilly up here, although... Um, I understand it's going to get a lot colder soon. Yeah, I guess we're owed it. It is winter. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's winter delayed. I have a feeling it's going to be pretty harsh though when it does finally show up. Well, we'll we'll cross our fingers that that's not the case because I honestly could do without if we can help it. So let's see what happens there. As long as we don't get too much snow, I'll be okay. I can I can manage the cold. <laughs> well, since I have you on here, one of the things. We have a common interest, podcasting. What? I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I don't know how that came about or how we connected, but it's just, we did with podcasting. And the thing was, I came into podcasting randomly, but you've made podcasting a career. Yes. Was, was that an intentional thing for you? I fell into it. No, absolutely not. I thought I was going to have a amazing radio career. I got my first job at a talk radio station back in 2000 and 
four or five. I can't even remember the year now. Um, and while working there, the the uh, you know Apple released the podcasting store, mm-hmm. and I just said, you know, hey, we should be a part of this to my boss, and he's like, great, as long as it doesn't you know put any more work on my plate or cost us any money, go ahead, you know, go do it. Um, and so I, that's when I launched my first podcast was for the the station back then. And then my next job was a radio job that had a lot of podcasting to it. It, you know, it wasn't the same landscape that it was today. It was mostly just like an alternative means of distributing radio, I guess, at the time. Although we did some very podcast specific formats, took advantage of the fact that we could, you know, do whatever we wanted and, and, you know, publish and create content at any time, any place, any length, which was great. Um, But it wasn't really until the end of 2014, when I thought I was going to get promoted into a very high profile podcast centric role at that company, um, only to get the the floor swept out from under me to find out I was actually getting laid off. Wow. Um, the entire radio and podcasting unit where I worked got completely obliterated. And we found ourselves without jobs. And I, I knew I didn't want to go back to radio because I was just looking around the landscape and seeing what was going on in there and just... I didn't want to wait for the next round of layoffs on my next job. And so while I was looking for work, I just started to produce podcasts for a few people that I had worked with. They were like, yeah, we, we love being on the podcast. It gave us some great marketing uh, tools and vehicles that we could promote on social media. It was, it was a lot of fun. And a- as they're at, talking about it, I'm like, I, I guess I could do that. I mean, I just really need my computer. If you can get a microphone or if we can get you to a studio, like, yeah, I, I can produce your podcast. That's sure. Let's do that. Um, and again, I, th- I thought I was just doing it as a side gig while I looked for work. Um, and the next thing you know, four years later, it's now full time, 100% my income comes from producing, editing, uh, promoting podcasts, um, you know, along with a lot of other ventures that I've taken in the space that are related. Um, and so, yeah, this was, this was not even a thing when I went to school. I mean, it was out there, but I, it was nowhere near my radar. So yeah, I, I kind of fell into it as well. Well, let's talk about that because if we if we bring it back, right? You you were in a radio life, young Matt. What what is it that you wanted to be? Ooh, wanted to be? I have no idea. I thought I was going to be the next Howard Stern, although without necessarily the like inclination to be a potty mouth. Uh-huh. Um, I think my I think part of what got me thinking about radio was, well, no, the truth is I wanted to be a news anchor. I, I think I wanted to be you know. At the time of Brian Williams or Dan Rather or, you know, one of those Prominent people, figures, yeah. Yeah, facing you on television, telling you the news. I, I love the idea of narrating and storytelling and being that conduit of sharing important information with you. Um, I, I think I started to realize that I had a classic face for radio. Um, and I was told by my grandparents that I had a great voice. And so I focused in on radio and thought I would, I would start there and, and see where it took me. Um, and, you know, the radio business is really, really hard. And when I was getting started, we were, we were sort of just getting onto this part where people were becoming real content creation machines on their own. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we, I was probably just a year or two ahead of the explosion of social media and YouTube and all these different platforms that anybody could create a magazine, a blog, a podcast, whatever on their own. So I started to, you know, go down the traditional route, looking for work, looking for a job. And my first job was horrible. I mean, I shouldn't say it was horrible. It was a great experience, but I mean, I was getting up at 
two in the morning, getting to work at four, working six days a week, um, not getting paid enough. So I had to have a second job, not sleeping enough. Absolutely grueling. I mean, I, I learned a lot. It was a great experience. People I worked with were fantastic, but you know, it was not a very glamorous lifestyle. Um, and even into my second job, it was it was a grind. I mean, I I always kind of felt like a worker bee. I always felt like I was not not just working for somebody else, but I wasn't producing content for me. I was just you know sure. sort of you were on a, someone else's dime. I, I was on somebody else's dime, but I was also just like the you know the wind up monkey you know with the symbols like doing I, the work. I was just a hog in the wheel. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel like I was um, you know driving the ship, so to speak. Um, so it's been really great to, you know, sort of see where the space is now and and see how much freedom there is to just go out there and create on your own right now. Why stay at the job if, if it was, I don't want to, okay, you didn't want to say horrible, but it, it sounded horrible, you know? Because it was tough to find something else. I mean, that mm. first job, I was pretty lucky to even get there in the first place. You know, it was an entry-level job. Most entry-level jobs said, this is an entry-level job, but you need experience. Well, I can't get experience if you don't give me an entry-level job. So it was this horrible cat and mouse game of trying to Classic you know, get my problem. Door. Yep. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's that's not unique to radio. That's, you know, almost every profession yeah. deals, you know, some form of that. Um, and so it was just, it was really tough to find work and to find something that one was going to pay enough to make it worth the move or... Yeah, that was worth it to sort of restart again from the beginning because everywhere you go, you're you're back at the bottom of the totem pole. And so I, I I felt a little stuck, I guess, for a while. And I thought, you know, if I if I grind it out, if I stick with it, um, I know I'm I'm hardworking, I know I'm smart, I know I can get, you know, to the places I need it to be. And truthfully, when it came to that second job, um, I was being given a lot of opportunities. I was excelling, I was, you know given responsibilities that reflected really well upon me. And I was convinced that I was going to be there for 30 years and eventually run the joint um, sure. whenever my boss decided that she wanted to step down. And then, yeah, just out of nowhere, we all got let go. Um, and I, it, it wasn't the la first time I had seen that in the industry. In fact, I was surprised I hadn't experienced it prior sure. because I, yeah, because I mean, a lot of this all happened during the Great Recession. And so radio people were getting laid off all the time. Reporters were getting laid off all the time. Communications, I mean, communication shops were just disappearing in droves. And yeah, I was fortunate that the one, my one thing that was fortunate was that where I worked was financial news. And so that was in demand while things were getting horrible because people needed to know where's all my money. It happened to be a good area to be in, but I, I completely understand that. As it's going, what what I love about the story that you were saying earlier, though, is you found a niche, you found an upcoming and blooming area, and you were in an area, in an area where there was support for you to go down that path of podcast, to kind yeah. of explore it and test it and see. And it sounds like you enjoyed it as you were doing it, and you found something that you stayed in long enough into the cat and mouse, into the hamster wheel game that an opportunity came that was right up your alley. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that what a lot of people didn't understand about podcasting in the beginning was mm -hmm. that it wasn't very different from broadcasting. It just removed a lot of the restrictions that were in place. 
you know, restrictions on language, restrictions on time. I mean, a radio station can only run 24 hours worth of content. Sure. They can run endless, infinite amounts of content if they're podcasting because there's just where it, there are no limits. There's no limits to the storage. There's no limits, limits to the time. Um, and so I, I enjoyed the fact that while I think, you know, the spoken word and radio is a incredible medium and a, an important part of our history and our evolution, um, you know, I could see right away this was going to usurp it at some point. This is going to have a huge impact on content creation. And clearly we are seeing that today. I mean, how many reporters are now creating podcasts that are going so in depth on news where when they work for a, a national news radio station, it's like you get 30 seconds to tell a story. It's like, that's not enough time. Absolutely. But now we can go out there and get really in-depth, really powerful stuff and stories that no program director, no news director sure. was going to let them tell. And now they can tell it. I mean, you know, Serial is, is, you know, the perfect example of that. That's a fantastic story that may have gotten a hit one day for 30, 40 seconds, but you know, they spent 10 episodes telling this incredible story and, and just it, it changed so many conversations having that information. And it's just one of many that has unraveled from that. You, and like you said, journalists allowing themselves to, you know, hey, I spoke about this for 30 seconds, talk more on my podcast in more depth about the things I can't tell you. Or if you want behind the scenes stuff, here's my podcast, come check that out. It just seems like the medium has kind of grown to be a supersized version of the radio and news medium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's the, it's the purest form of a bastardized industry. Mm. I mean, you know, radio for a long time was that intimate partner that so many people had the, you know, people would have it under their pillow and listen to a ball game or, you know, you had the old radio dramas yeah. and, and serials that people would do. And, um, you know, it, it was like your companion and then it just became so corporate and so industrialized and so cookie cutter and so uh, oversaturated by suits and focus groups. And, you know, people telling you that, you know, these are the only 20 songs that you're supposed to play right. every day. It's like it, it lost its heart. And so now you have this wide open space where people who have real passion can go out there and put together really powerful content. And to a point, that's that's still the case today. I mean, oh, yeah. even, it's only getting better. Right. And even the medium of podcasting has evolved and come about into a new format. But you've decided, you know, you 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 decided to make this a career. And it's one of interest because podcasting isn't necessarily a stable career. It's not necessarily a stable field for for one to use as a everyday job, at least. Some would not consider it. I mean, entrepreneurship is very risky regardless, right? It, oh, yeah. Some days you get uh, 100 clients. Some days you get two. And you just never know which way it'll go or if people will have interest in podcasting. Was that a tough decision for you to make on making this the career? Was that a, I'm going to go all in on this and give it a shot? It took me a long time to go all in on this. Even when I was starting out, I was still looking for work. I was still working part-time. I was keeping my my toe in the water to find another opportunity. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm. I never wanted to work for myself for yeah. exactly the reason you just said. Yeah. I didn't want to have that roller coaster ride. I didn't want to be dependent on myself. Um and it it 
it, it is scary. It is intimidating. There are days where you're like, woohoo, I'm the king of the world. And there are other days where you're just like, oh my God, we're going to lose the house. We're all going to be living on the streets. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really, it is tough and it's not something I ever wanted. It's not something I'm not even sure if I would do it again. If I, if given the choice, uh, to be honest with you. Um, but it, it only recently, uh, so I've been on my own for a little over four years now, mm-hmm. and it was really only within the last year and a half that I got to a place where I felt confident to strip away everything else that wasn't related and just focus on this. And and even at that, like even to this day, you know, even this week, I've had doubts about like, maybe I should go out there looking for work. And the nice thing is, is because of what has happened in the space, as you alluded to, because of the evolution that's taking place, mm-hmm. there are full-time podcasting jobs out there. There are new ones popping up all the time. And so it, it would be, I, I can't say it's beyond the realm of possibility that if the right opportunity came along, that I wouldn't take it, you know, go back. But then again, who knows, like that podcasting job could be just as insecure as those radio jobs that I feared. You that's know, a good point. Ago. So I, good I don't point. know. So, and, and to your other point, who knows how this industry is going to sustain itself? Um, not that I think spoken word will ever go away, but maybe the delivery will change and podcasting will switch to something else, or maybe video will just completely take over, or you know, we'll hit some sort of inflection point, or maybe some regulatory change will happen. I, who knows? But right. you know, you've always got to be thinking and evolving and learning and trying new things and. You know, you're including video in what you do right now. And it's important that, you know, you do that. And that's certainly something that I've been exploring is to add that extra media component into what I do um, so that, you know, I'm always able to pivot and, and keep growing if I have to. Well, in terms of pivoting, right, and, and growing for podcasters, a lot of it is self-taught. A lot of our conferences that people go to as you were trying to become an entrepreneur, right, because did you have a degree in college? I did. What was your degree in? So uh, when I went to school, they had a brand new major called media management. Okay. And so it was literally a little bit of everything, print, radio, television, newspaper, sales, uh, the whole thing. So I actually have a double major because my school knew if you're in communications, there's a good shot you're not going to wind up there. So uh, <laughs> I have a double degree in media management and sociology. Okay. So neither of those though are an MBA or, oh, no. right. No. So when you decided to make this jump to, Hey, I'm going to make a living and try and survive off of this. What was going through your head? I mean, did you feel equipped to do that? And if not, what did you do to address that? Uh, what was going through my head? Ah! Uh, was probably <laughs> what was going through my head for the most part. Um, no, I did not feel equipped at all to do it. I mean, there's a, a serious lack of education around oh. personal finances and operational finances yes. and how to run a business and things like that. And the laws are complicated and they change from year to year. They change from locale to locale, from state to state. So it's really complicated. And the best you can do is just, you just have to grind it out. So, you know, I, I, I had decided I, my first client, I was like, how am I going to get paid? And I realized I needed a bank account to get a bank account. I needed to either have an LLC or get an EIN number. And so you just start Googling and digging and asking questions and calling the right authorities. And 
Um, you know, today it's, I'd say today it's a little bit easier because there's, because this independent podcast community is so well established now. Mm. You know, somebody pops into one of these Facebook groups and says, launch my own production business. What do I do? And 20 people are going to, you know, trip over each other to be like, well, you should probably file for an LLC. Right. And you know, there's yeah. a lot more guidance. I, I didn't really have a lot of that mentorship um, to do this. So mm-hmm. it, it was really just, uh, you know, time and, and elbow grease and uh, a lot of mistakes. I mean, you know, I went to the wrong offices a couple of times or I mm-hmm. filled out the wrong form or uh, originally I was collecting taxes and, you know, I spoke to someone like, you don't have to collect taxes. So, I mean, it, it, you're, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably doing it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And, but the fact that you grinded it out, that you just kept at it and you kept going, but at the same time, so you did get, did you get a second job, like a something to just kind of for stability or were you just looking as you were building this entrepreneurship on the side? I, so I got the second job. So I was working as a part-time social media and digital marketing expert for a nonprofit. Wow. And Part of that had to do with wanting to build up those skills that I thought would be important as part of the podcasting business. It's a great idea. Part of it was that because of the job loss um, and where my wife worked, we were like, there's no reason for us to be living where we're living. So we moved closer to her office. And so it gave me a chance to get established in the community and, and be somewhere that was going to be um, familiar and, and we knew people. So that was another reason that I did it. Um, but all the while, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, learning and Googling and seeing what's next and evolving and and trying new things. And I suppose if the right full-time job had come along, I probably, I might have walked away from this, but there were times that I was interviewing it. And the truth was I didn't walk away because I, there were some clients that I didn't want to abandon. Yeah. Like I sort of grown a connection to a few of them. I was like this, not that every job was, would, you know, not that every job wasn't as good as what this was, but the ones that I was facing just weren't worth it to, to give up these relationships and to give up what I was doing. I didn't, I didn't want to let them down. No, that's fantastic because, you know, sometimes we're so focused on the money. It sounds like you weren't chasing money. You were chasing the experience no, you were money. giving. No, I was chasing money. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't yeah, sound I mean, like it, though, because you could, if you were chasing money, you would have just taken the job. Well, you know, it turned out that I was, so it's, it's interesting you bring that up. So about six months after I got laid off and I had started doing this, my, my old boss reached out, uh, well, a different boss at the same company reached out and said, Hey, you know, the company made a mistake and we're actually going to bring back and do some of the podcasting again. And oh. we would like you to come back. You know, you were, we liked the work that you did and, you know, we were in line for certain promotions and whatnot. So you should really come back and help us. I was like, okay, yeah, no, that that would be great. Can I keep my clients? No. Okay. No. Like it I think what I saw wasn't that I was making a lot of money doing this mm-hmm. or that you know, I was chasing the money. What I saw was there wasn't a ceiling to what I was doing. Yeah. That I could take this as far as I could take this whereas I had been in that corporate ra- role at at least in that company and, and probably many others, but I, I looked at it and I was like I know where my ceiling is there. And um, I, I wanted to take a shot. I feel, I felt like a free agent. I felt like I could do whatever I could try, whatever I can experiment a lot of different ways. And 
and it's it's not just the podcast production. There's other business ideas that I've been able to work on, launch, collaborate on, things like that. That it's it's been, you know, I I and look, maybe the right job comes along, but the right job hasn't come along yet. So I'll, I'll stick with it until that happens. So as you've begun this new experience, you've kind of really fallen into podcasting and everything that's come with it. What would you say is one thing that surprised you about this new adventure you've taken? Man, that's a great question because I feel like I'm surprised all the time by it. I'm surprised by how much it changes, how quickly it changes. I mean, when I started, I Googled podcast producers. I was launching my business mm-hmm. and I think maybe two or three. And today there's hundreds, probably thousands. And you know, that's just the span of four years. Um, I'm, I was always surprised by how well it was received. Um, uh, you know, here's a good one. One thing that I was really, really surprised by, and I learned this in a, in a couple of different ways at a couple of different inflection points was I was always worried about how to price myself. I was, I was always worried about what to charge and making sure I was worth value. And I, I, I've been told many, 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 many times that I was not charging enough that I had undervalued my skill set, undervalued my talents, undervalued my time. And every time I, you know, finally capitulated and rose my prices, I was always surprised that it actually led to more business and not less. Um, Wait, you raised the price and it improved business versus having people go away. Yeah, I think what I was discovering was at the price points I had started, people didn't think I took it seriously enough. Um, and the kinds of clients that I was attracting were looking at it going, if this guy's only charging this, how talented could he be? Oh, Uh, and so I think it wasn't until I got to a certain spot where people were like, well, other people are paying this much for their services and they're getting a good result. Well, they're clearly worth it. And I've had very few people look at them and say, that's just too much. I mean, there are plenty who who never wanted to pay anything. And of course, then it's too much. But um, folks, it's not, look, my services aren't for everybody. I'm not delusional. I don't go to a podcast movement, a podfest or a MapCon or anything like that, thinking that, you know, some newbie podcaster who uh, has a, who wants to do this out of a hobby is going to pay me to do it. It's, It's just not the base that I'm looking to attract. But, you know, knowing what businesses that I work with and knowing the types of clients that I work with, you know, they're, they want to work with someone who they think is a professional and who takes it seriously. And so it was, it was an interesting lesson to learn that I actually had to charge more to get that type of reputation. Yeah. I guess that's what it is, a reputation to be known for what you're doing. Yeah. And, and again, just a reputation to be known that you're serious, you know, yeah. if, if there's someone doing it for, $30 an episode, it's, you know, people are wondering, well, this must be just a hobby or, you know, you're outsourcing the work to someone on Fiverr, you know, across the globe. Um, and then giving the work back. Yeah. And then giving the work back and not taking it seriously. I mean, this is, you know, this is a living. This, this pays for my kids to go to daycare and to put food on the table and to, you know, put the roof over our house. Like this is right now, this is everything for us. You know, when when people listening to this um, are trying to figure out if they should chase their dream, if they should follow a path they have, you know, and they see that there are other people doing something similar to what they want to do. I think about how there are so many, like you alluded to, 
how many podcast producers there are out there. Were you ever deterred or intimidated by the fact that this is a growing field? Hey, you're just one of others that are doing it and maybe that you should do something different? Sure. I mean, I would, I still get that way today. I mean, I believe what I do, I do really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. But I'm not delusional enough to think that I am the absolute, you know, number one podcast producer out there, nor do I think that I will ever be that. I mean, I don't know if you can really ever qualify that title, but, you know, <laughs> the point is, I, I don't think that you can, I don't think that you can assume that what you do, you are the only one who can do it well. Mm-hmm. I think what you have to assume is that you are one, that there is enough of a market for as many talented people as you that are out there. Um, two, I think you have to not just focus on what it is that you can do, but how you treat people. Mm. Um, I am sure some of my clients, I've, I've gotten a couple of clients that had previous producers, um, and they saw something in that person that they liked from the onset. And, you know, they didn't choose me in the beginning, they chose this person, but then they wound up coming to me and it's not necessarily because I edit better than anybody else. Um, although my edits are, are are good. Um, and it's not because I, you know, my pricing is better than anybody else. There are certainly people who, you know, have much more accommodating pricing. And there are certainly people who charge even much more than I charge if right. you're you know, measuring it that way. Um, you know, they came to me because somebody else said, this is the guy who makes me feel secure that it's going to get done and it's going to get done well. So it's, it's not, even so much about your talent. It's not so much about your skill set. It's about the trust and the relationship that you create with the people who are agreeing to give you money for whatever it is that you are going to do and whatever it is you're going to charge people to do. Um, And the truth is, if you aren't passionate about those people who you call your clients, your customers, whatever moniker you give them, um, and if you're And if you don't care, like if a client sends you an email with a complaint and your first response is, I don't really like that guy anyway, (laughs) probably not doing the right thing in life, or you're probably, you know, you're probably not going to excel at what you do. Um, And maybe I do it to a fault, but when an email comes through from a client and they have a problem, at least not between, you know, outside of the like, 4.30 4.30 to 8 o'clock hour when the kids come home and we're playing and eating and putting them to bed. Like sure. when I see an email, it, it, it affects me. Mm-hmm. Something is wrong with one of my clients and I feel personally responsible, professionally responsible. And I, I want to do what I can to fix it as soon as possible. Um, and I think that's why I can continue to keep this business going, can sustain this for a long time. And even if it means I'm not doing podcasting in five years, even if it means I'm doing video production or some sort of other media consulting or whatever that is, it's not going to be the skills that I learned doing those things. It's going to be the way that I take care of and think about and treat and care for these clients. That's going to you know, help me stay ahead. No, I think that's a great point you make. I think Sometimes we're so focused on the technical details that we forget that the people skills, that the customer service is just as important, if not the most important part of a relationship. 
Yeah. I mean, you should probably, if you're going to start a business, you should probably do a business that in terms of the skill set you can do in your sleep. Mm-hmm. Edit audio in my sleep. I've been editing audio for 12 years before I ever, you know, sold the, my first podcast production package. It's everything else that I've had to work at, you know, to maintain this, to, to attract and maintain this current list of clients. Um, that's really made the difference. So it, it it's if it's your dream, it's probably your dream because you know it better than the back of your hand kind yeah. of thing. That that's that's a great point. And I think for the people listening, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur, a podcaster, or what have you, I think one thing I'd like you to take away from this and that Matt is alluding to is, you know, there is room for all of you. To chase your dream. It, there's room for a number of podcast producers. There's a number of dream chasers that have similar things. There isn't just one. Like we have a number of presidents. I don't think there's any one career that has only a single person. You can't say that. There's someone for everything. And I mean, what is the, the analogy that people like to say is if you go to a, a grocery store and you look down the cereal aisle, the number of different cereals there are. Uh, is a testament to how many people can be in the same sandbox. Right. I don't. I don't know who came first, but imagine if you know General Mills saw the, you know, the box of cornflakes is like, oh, all right, Kellogg's already has the cereal market. Yeah. I'm at. But no, I mean, there's like I said, there's plenty of room for plenty of people. There's plenty of market. Well, at, at least you have to you have to know that. And the same thing happens if you want to you know start a business, if you want to you know launch a company. It's okay if somebody else is doing it. If you think you can either do it better or do it in a more unique way or, uh, you know, be more nimble. It's if you truly believe in the idea and you think you can get other people to follow you, then uh, you should absolutely go for it. Yeah. Great. You have to be. And the truth is you have to be. I don't want to say you have to be entirely fearless because, like I said, I've been scared many, many times. I've been scared. So, I mean, but you have to be fearless in the sense that you have to go for it, but you have to be, you know, intelligently cautious as well. You you have to protect yourself. You have to make sure you're not overly exposed um, and that, you know, you're taking calculated risks. You know, you're not just jumping off a cliff feet first without looking down. Yeah, no, don't do that, please. But <laughs> to, to your analogy, one of my themes for this year is embrace your fears. And it sounds like that's one of the things you're saying is it may not be fearless, but just do it anyway. Yeah, I, I remember it's ridiculous. My high school quote, I actually stole it. It was scribbled on the roof of a bunk when I went to sleepaway camp. And God only knows where it came from originally. God only knows... <laughs> If, if it's even true, but it was brave men are men who are afraid, but go anyway. That's good. And so, you know, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be unsure. Um, but if it's something you want, then you have to go for it anyway. You'll never, you'll never succeed not trying. Love that. I love that. But Matt, before I let you go, I have to ask you one question. What is one thing you would tell a dream chaser to do today? What's one action? The 
the one thing that I would tell a dream chaser is probably the same thing that I would tell most podcasters. And that's, if this is something that you want to do, start today. You know, for podcasters, what I say to folks, they're like, well, I'm thinking about doing a podcast and I need to get this microphone. I need to get this, blah, blah, blah. It's like, stop. Take out your phone, find the voice recording app and just start talking because you don't know if this is what you want to do. You don't know if you're going to be good behind the microphone. You don't know if what you want to say is actually going to fill 20, 30, 40 minutes, whatever it is you're going to do. But you need to start today because the sooner you start is the, the, the sooner that you will start to learn what doesn't work. And if you put it off and if you put it off and you're like, well, let me save up and then I'll buy the microphone. Well, all right, that's three, three weeks, three months, three years, whatever, that you weren't just learning and experimenting and failing and improving. So you want to launch a startup, start launching it today. You know, maybe it's not going to be what your final iteration is. Sure. Uh, That's okay. Just start to test the idea. Start to survey people, start to record yourself, start to videotape yourself. Uh, You know, I was at a Google um, startup uh, conference kind of a thing. And one guy was like, you know, I, anytime I have an idea for a startup, the first thing I do is I, I go to Facebook and I make a group or whatever. And I just start, you know, testing out the idea there. And, And yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll never learn anything until you start failing at it. So uh, start failing right away. Uh, and don't, and, and who cares, you know, again, if you're recording on your phone, it'll never see the light of day. So just record it and delete it or better yet, record it, save it in a year from now, when you have a podcast and you're polished and you're good, you can go back and you can play that as your first blooper reel or something like that. And people will love it. People they, do love that. Oh, they love that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would just say if you're chasing a dream, just don't stop waiting for the start line. Just start running. So start doing it. Start going. You know, start failing today. That That is awesome advice. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and just sharing your knowledge and your background. It was awesome. Thank you. No, thank you. It was, it was really my pleasure. Hey, guys, that was Matthew Passy. Heck of a guy. Heck of a chasing his dream. I am so proud of him. I'm so excited to see where his path leads him. And you never know. He doesn't know. And so we'll see what happens. So you guys can learn more about Matthew over on the show notes page at amyj21.com slash episode 175. That's episode 175. One quick thing before I let you guys go, wanted to let you know, especially for our Patreon supporters and anyone interested in donating a Patreon, even just a dollar an episode, as a thank you, we are releasing bonus video content for you guys. It is available on the Patreon page, amyj21.com slash Patreon. And as a thank you, we're doing these mini episodes, mini interviews, uh, behind the scenes, if you will, with each of our guests. And as of now, we have Sarika, we have Matthew, we're going to have some upcoming guests do the same thing. Those will be available to our patrons over on Patreon only, exclusively for now. And I just want to thank you guys for that. It's a thank you for to you. It's one of my goals to kind of get more outside um, my comfort zone by getting in front of the camera. So that's what we're doing. And so it's a step. It's a hopefully 
a nice intimate conversation with these guys. You kind of learn a little bit more about them that we don't kind of get to here on the show. Um, it is bonus content and exclusive to patrons right now and down the road. We will release it to you guys after, but right now it is exclusively for those who donate even just a dollar an episode. It's about four to five dollars a month. It's like a cup of coffee a month or bubble tea if you're into that. So thank you guys once again. Again, you can get the bonus content over at amyj21.com slash Patreon. That's also in the show notes. And till next time, guys, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.